I'm uh, reading from Mark chapter 4. You might notice a little similarity between this story and the one Sandra read, as in it's the exact same story. Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. So uh, we've been looking in this series at uh, balance and how we balance our lives, how we make our decisions in ways that can lead to lives that are whole, content, joyful. And we've kind of seen working through the Old Testament and, and uh, some of the Gospels that we're kind of left in a place where we're supposed to balance work and rest, and both are supposed to be part of our, our routine, and, and that we're supposed to balance learning and doing so that we pay attention to Jesus as we're trying to make our decisions about what we should be busy doing so that we can uh, decide what makes our list and what doesn't. And then also we need to be balancing uh, saying no and saying yes. There are some things we say no to and we, and we delete them from our list altogether and other things we decide to add to the list because our priorities are shifting and because we're getting in line with how God designed life to be for us. And so we realize that the pressure to do things um, and, and which things to do isn't the only pressure that's on us, right? So we've, we've kind of dealt with that idea of making decisions, knowing that there's this pressure to do things and other people put pressure on us. We put pressure on ourselves. Um, and, and so some of those things can be so big uh, that, that they, you know, we feel the weight of everything around us. But that's in the normal ebb and flow of life. And we all know that there are moments when something happens that's way beyond that. It's not something other people are putting on us. It's not pressure we're putting on ourselves. Life just throws circumstances at us that we have no idea how to cope with. And suddenly, instead of uh, making decisions uh, based on logic or trying to think about Jesus, we're just scrambling to survive, right? You're scrambling to get by. It's like, I just got to get through this and maybe then I can relax. Maybe then I can pray a little more. Maybe then I can think about what Jesus might want, but I just got to get through this one. Like it's hitting me so hard and so fast. We kind of snap into survival mode. And that's where this story in Mark 4 comes in. Story begins, as Jesus came, uh, or as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. So as beginnings of stories go, this one's not bad. 
Like often, you know, we've talked about the pressure on us, the pressure we put on ourselves. We've talked about stuff we add to our list, stuff we take off our list. But this time, it seems like the people are making a good decision. The first thing they do, the disciples and the other followers, is they listen to Jesus. That's got to be a good thing, right? So Jesus says, let's get in the boat, let's go to the other side, and they go, yeah, let's do it. So they pile in the boat, and the disciples go with Jesus, and and they're kind of parting from the crowd, but not all of the crowd, because some of the crowd goes, if Jesus and the disciples are going over there, that's where we're going to go too. I got a boat. And so they track after Jesus. That can't be a good, a bad thing. Like if, if Jesus is going somewhere, sticking with him, going where he's going, listening to his instructions, seems like it would be a good idea. And so they do that. And you and I, we try to obey Jesus, right? Like we're trying to follow him. We're trying to figure out what he wants from us. But sometimes while we're trying to figure that out, sometimes when we think, I, I, I think I know exactly what he wants me to do here. And sometimes we lock in and we make that decision and we follow Jesus and we go exactly where we think he's leading us to go. And that is when trouble comes. And so these guys, they didn't get themselves in trouble by going their own way. They didn't get in trouble by, by leaving Jesus behind and heading out somewhere else. The storm brewed up specifically because they went exactly where Jesus told them to go. And that's where the tension in the story begins because all of a sudden, if you're a disciple and you're doing your best to follow Jesus, you're listening for his voice and and you're trying to be obedient and and everything that you know he's calling you to do, you do. And and when it happens, you think, okay, if I'm following him, everything should be fine. Everything should work out great. Everything is going to be okay. I'm listening this time. I got myself in trouble before, but this time I'm listening to Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I'm doing what he tells me to do. I'm going to do my best. And then life throws something at you and you start second guessing, did I not hear Jesus clearly? Did he, what, didn't he tell me to go here? How am I supposed to know if that's not the right place? I was really trying my best. I, I, I listened, I listened hard. If I heard it wrong, how am I gonna hear it right the next time? And, and there's this turmoil within us when we're making a decision like that and it doesn't work out. And so we start second guessing and we wonder what's going on. But in our story, These guys, they faced this problem not because they went astray, but because they were following what he told them to do. And that's exactly when the storm hits. It says, soon a fierce storm came up, high waves breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. High waves, fierce storm, water breaking into the boat, the boat's starting to fill, and they're going, we're sinking, I'm going to drown. I thought I was on the right path, but now I'm dead. I was trying to listen to Jesus, and look what good that did me. And if we're honest, there's times when a lot of us have been in that boat where we're like, Jesus, I'm really trying here. I'm doing my best. I did everything that I heard you say. If you were saying something else, I, I, like I, I did everything I could And yet I'm in this situation. I've got these things happening to me. These things are spinning all out of control. And I thought you were looking after me. I thought you were leading me here. I thought you were leading me in a positive direction. And now I'm starting to wonder. 
And so the disciples, it wasn't just scary life things that were, you know, that, that the storm was a metaphor for. It was a literal storm. But it doesn't take that to scare us. We have all of those kind of things. And, we, you know, we say stuff like, into every life a little rain must fall. And then sometimes you go, yeah, but you know rain carved the Grand Canyon, right? Like raindrops, water can do a lot of damage. There's been flooding around this area in the past. There's people sitting here today that lost their homes in it. Water, raindrops, not a minor thing sometimes, right? And so they're in this storm. And, and for the Israelites, they looked at the, at the ocean, at the sea, at bodies of water, and being out in them as kind of chaos. It was a representative of chaos and, 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 and even hell sometimes because it was just you were taking your life in your hands. It's not totally safe. It's out of control. And that's what these guys are experiencing. They're out there, and those waves are hitting them so hard, and they're like, we are not going to make it to the other side. And this is a problem, and this boat is not going to take on much more water. We're almost full of water, and we're going down. And while all of that was happening, Jesus was in the back of the boat. He was right there, but he seemed inactive. They believed in him. They'd followed him. They'd listened to his teaching. They'd watched him do miracles. They knew he was powerful. But right now, the fact that they knew Jesus, the fact that they loved Jesus, the fact that they followed Jesus didn't seem to be doing them any good in terms of providing for their safety and their comfort and their sense of well-being. And so they go, Jesus is there for all the good it's doing us, but he's asleep at the switch. Like he's not acting. He's not intervening. He's not doing anything to help. He's not healing. He's not fixing the problem. He's not addressing it. He's not bringing comfort. And I feel scared to death. And so they knew where he was. They knew where to find him. But when they do go to him, they come screaming because they're scared and they go, teacher, help. Don't you care that we're going to drown? Now, in one way, we could say, well, they're, they're kind of doing the right thing. They're going to Jesus. That's the right thing to do when you're in trouble, when you're, when you're out of sorts and when things aren't going well and when everything feels out of control. Uh, we know Jesus is there. We should go to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me. We, we pray that prayer all the time, right? When trouble hits, it's kind of what we thought we maybe were supposed to do. I'm sure some of the disciples went, well, we need to go get Jesus because he's going to be able to do something about this. That should be right. That should be the right answer. It seems like it's the right thing to do. They go running to him in a panic and they say, help. And, and that seems like it's the right thing to do. And so bad things are happening. Jesus isn't doing anything about it. You go run into Jesus. You just gotta, maybe he's just waiting for you to ask him. Maybe he just wants to be invited. So we got, they go run into him in a panic and they go, don't you care? And they say, don't you care? Because they don't doubt that Jesus is there. They saw him get in the boat. They know exactly where to find him. As soon as they're looking, they say, well, he's back there. Let's go get him and wake him up. They know exactly where to find him. And they know Jesus is powerful because they've seen the things he can do. They've seen lame walk, blind see, 
They've seen all kinds of miracles that Jesus does that couldn't be explained any other way where people who had serious, serious problems that there seemed like no solution for were made whole and healthy. And the problem was fixed and their lives were made straight and whole. And so they know he can do something about it. And so they don't go run into him and go, Jesus, uh, we're in trouble and I don't know if you can do anything. They go, Jesus, what? Don't you care? Isn't that the thing that strikes us? We who really believe Jesus exists, those of us who have followed him, who've seen evidence of his work in the world and know there is a God and Jesus represents him, Jesus is him, and we know that's true and we know that he has power. We've seen him work in other people's lives and then something happens and it's not working for us. We pray and we try and we trust him and it doesn't work and we go, Jesus, I know you can do something. Don't you care about what I'm going through? And even if we don't say it out loud, we feel it and we wonder. And maybe, maybe I got it coming to me. Maybe, maybe you don't care about me because I've done something wrong, but, but whichever way it is, it feels like you're not willing to help me. It feels like you're asleep at the switch. It feels like you're not going to do anything about it. And so they're waiting and they're watching and Jesus is asleep and Jesus isn't doing anything. He isn't doing what they expected him to do. He isn't doing what they wanted him to do. He isn't doing what they're sure they need him to do. And so they do the right thing. They go run into him and they go, Jesus, help. And so they make this accusation, don't you care? They ask the question. They're like, I, I, I need to see it. I need to see you in action. You need to do something to show and exhibit your care for me. I need to see you intervene in this situation. Help. I'm in trouble. I'm sinking, Jesus. And the only one that can help me is you, and it doesn't feel like you're doing anything for me. So what do we do in that situation? We go running to him and, and, and Jesus uh, hears their call and he wakes up and it says, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. Like the first thing he does when he wakes up is he takes care of the problem. He takes away the wind and the waves. And, and then he says, it says, suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asks them, why are you afraid? Don't you have any faith? Do you still have no faith? Like, what's, what's the takeaway here? What's the message we're supposed to get? Like, like if, if you're in trouble, you're supposed to go to God. You're supposed to cry out to Jesus. But if he's taking a nap, he'll wake up grouchy. Is that what we're supposed to walk away with? Because it almost seems like that, right? It seems like Jesus is correcting them. He's telling them that there's a problem. He says, why are you afraid? Like you shouldn't be. You, do you still have no faith? So what is the story trying to tell us? What is it that we're supposed to notice? Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves, and he says, peace be still, silence be still. And there was a great calm. And so they were scared and Jesus fixed the problem and he neutralized the threat and suddenly there's absolute calm, like, like not a ripple on the lake and they're sitting there in the boat and he's taking care of the problem. 
And he says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So the storm comes and it hits them and they're scared. And he says, why are you afraid? Don't you have any faith? Like fear and faith are kind of at odds with each other. And the thing is, he says, it says that the threat was taken away. And he says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? He says, not why were you afraid? Why are you afraid? And the very next verse, you would think would say, you know, he, he calmed down the storms and they went, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for looking after us. Thank you for, for showing up when we need you. We were scared there for a minute, but everything is okay now. You would expect that to be their attitude, right? But what's the next verse say? It says the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Did you catch that? So Jesus is in the back of the boat. The storm comes up. They're scared to death. The storm is the problem. The storm is the situation they're dealing with. The storm is thrown at them. And this thing that happens to them outside of their control, bringing chaos and fear and, and, and scaring them to death, it's the very thing that's pressing in on them. And they look at the storm and they say, Jesus, don't you care? You need to deal with the storm. And then Jesus deals with the storm and they're still scared. You would think that the fear would go away, but it doesn't. And I think it's very telling that it doesn't because the thing is, you would think if it was storm versus faith, that now that things are okay, the storm's taken away, you'd be fine. And we see storms, we feel storms, we get scared of the storm and we get hit with circumstances, things threaten to capsize our little dinghies in life and we feel threatened, we go run into Jesus and go, Jesus, please help with the storm. But see, the storm wasn't the biggest problem that day, the storm was out there but the fear was inside them. And so even when the storm was dealt with, even when the storm was no more, even when the storm was nothing left, they were still terrified because inside they had learned something about themselves that made them question what's going on and how does the world work and how do we count on Jesus and does he really care about us? And so they go run into him, but they're still unsure because faith doesn't overcome the storm. Faith has to overcome our fear. And so Jesus says, are, are, you, are you afraid? Like, why are you afraid? Don't you have faith? Having faith isn't just something that we're given. It isn't just a gift. It's grace. It, it's made possible by the gift of God. But we have to hang on to it. We have to cling to it. We have to claim it and own it. And so while they were afraid of the storm, the storm actually just brought up and showed what was actually happening inside them. And they had not yet zeroed in on Jesus in such a way that they could have faith in him despite any circumstance around them.
And so the storm wasn't the biggest thing they were facing. It seemed the biggest. It was the most present in their minds. It was the thing they were so focused on. But Jesus is focused on the battle between fear and faith. And so we walk around scared and our fear makes us do things and say things and and go places and do things. And sometimes in the midst of those scariest situations, we find out what we really believe. We find out how much faith we really have. And sometimes it's a surprise to us. Sometimes it's a good surprise. And sometimes it's a surprise that really hurts because we thought we believed and we thought we trusted. And then when the storm comes, we collapse into a heap of, oh no, what's happening? God, don't you care about me? And Jesus goes, do I care about you? Don't you know me by now? Don't you trust me by now? Aren't you following me even when there's no evidence to show that I'm showing up? Even when I seem asleep at the switch and it seems like I'm not doing what I should do, do you trust me? Do you know that it will be okay even if you can't see how it's going to be okay? Do you know that my power is at work even when you don't see me doing it? Even when I seem slow and absent and inactive, don't you know that I am still God and I'm still right there? And before you're completely capsized, I'll do what needs doing. And so Jesus doesn't chastise them because they were because the storm was scary. He tells them that that the storm isn't the problem. Don't focus on the storm. Focus on your faith. Because that's where how the fear is overcome is knowing that Jesus is not only present but believing with all your heart that he also cares about you. And we can say, oh yeah, Jesus loves us, Jesus loves us. But as soon as we get in the most trouble of our lives, as soon as life throws stuff at us, as soon as we're following him and everything goes wrong anyway, that's when we are tempted to believe he may love the whole world, but I don't think he likes me very much right now. I think he's mad at me. I think he's not gonna come through. I think he's got enough to deal with and, and he's not as concerned with the situation I'm in right now as I would hope he was. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Have faith in me. It's one or the other. And so he says, look, the way to combat that fear, the way to squelch that fear, the way to deal with the problem of fear is not to go through life without storms. It's to go through storms trusting in Jesus and working hard to have faith in him in seeing circumstances in a different way to where you are more aware that he is there than you are aware of the storm. You're paying attention to the right thing. You're listening to Jesus. And so Jesus clears the deck and says, look, The storm's one thing, and I can deal with that in a second, but the deeper issue here, the thing we're going to have to work on is how you lean into me and how much faith you put in me so that you understand that you don't have to be scared. You don't have to be scared because you don't have to hold that question in your heart whether I care about you or not. 
I've already made up my mind where I stand with you. It's up to you to decide where you stand with me. It's an active choice to show your faith in him. But he's made up his mind, and he's made very clear that he cares about you. Have you heard of the cross? Do you know the depth of the love that he has for you? That's not theoretical. That's not just for the whole world and, you know, he misses a few people along the way. That's for you personally. He has all the love in the world for you and he pours it out generously. And so Jesus says to them, look, you don't need to be afraid because faith is the antidote to that fear. And when the fear sinks in, you can come running to me, but not in a way that says, do you even care? It's not a matter of whether I care. It's a matter of whether you believe that I care, because I do. And I might not do what you want. I might not play it like you would like me to. But when you face the deepest and the darkest storms of your life, if you believe that I'm with you and you know in the depths of your soul that I love you. It changes everything about how you face that storm. And then it's not a big deal that Jesus has taken a nap because you know when the moment comes that you need him to act, he will do what needs doing. Even when he seems late, even when he seems inactive, even when his care isn't showing, believe that it's there. And know that it's true. And so Jesus points out to them where they're standing. And they find out, I've still, I'm still terrified. The storm's gone and I'm still terrified. And from there, he continues to teach them and show them. And they walk the path with him. But it's like that he woke them up to that so that they could know what they were made of. And they could decide that they didn't need to question his care. There are people in our church right now that are, are struggling with cancer diagnosis. There are people who are ch facing relational issues. There are people that have work struggles and, and money problems. And there are all kinds of people with storms hitting them left, right, and center. We were supposed to do baptisms today, but that family is going through the crisis of cancer and, and, and concern over what's happening. And, and so Kayla Sue had surgery two days ago, and I was... I called her to pray with her, and then she texted me when she got out of surgery and said, you know, I feel such peace. You have cancer. You have a mass that's grown incredibly in a short period of time, and yet she says to me, I feel such peace. Jesus does that. The love of Jesus that you can sink your teeth into, that, that wraps you up and holds you in the middle of the storm, not removing the storm, but dealing with the fear. That's what gives that young lady faith. And that's what gives her peace and hope and wholeness. And that is the thing that we lean into. In the middle of the storm, we don't need Jesus to remove the storm. We need Jesus to deal with our fear. And the only way he offers us is to say, trust me, have faith in me. Know not only that I am God and that I am all powerful, but know that I love you. Believe that I love you. And everything will be fine.
and you will know what you need to know to get through any storm. The storm is nothing if you've got faith in me and if you overcome those fears and push them back at bay because you believe in the Jesus who shows up and loves you and acts when he's exactly needed and his timing is perfect.